Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Fragile freedom. If you're taking notes, put that at the top. I would encourage you to take notes. There's a little gem in there that we've been able to work in. I'm a words person, so I love when words work out together. (laughs) So fragile freedom. Um, Jesus was all about freedom. Who would agree? Now, if you read the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, you would realise that everywhere Jesus went, He had freedom literally flowing from Him. So if you were sick, He would free you from your sickness. If you were oppressed, He would free you from your oppression. If you were a slave, He would free you from your enslavement. He went about freeing people and He went about changing society. Everything Jesus did, even his last moments upon the cross, he was dying for our freedom. Dying so that we could live in the freedom that we have today. The freedom to connect with his presence anytime we want. The freedom when we choose to, to become aware of his presence any moment. When we close our eyes, if we do that, when we just, when we think, about God, when we choose to enter into, there's no doorway, there's no special room, there's no special place. The only place we need is a place that we're aware of. He made the way so that freedom could reign in this place. Before the song was written, freedom reign in this place, Jesus was making freedom reign across the entire world. It got me thinking about freedom. I was listening to a TED talk the other day from this lady named Yonomi Park, who at the age of 13 escaped North Korea. Incredible story. She escaped North Korea and there was a few things that she said and she was, as she was talking about her escape that stood out to me and I think they might stand out to some of us here today. She said this, when people ask me what it feels like to live there, I tell them you can't even imagine it. The words in any language can't describe it because it's a totally different planet. Who feels like they've come from a totally different planet pre-Christ to now? That you've come from a totally different planet. You don't realise that different concepts are even a possibility. Growing up in North Korea, we truly believe that our leader is an almighty God who can even read our thoughts. I was even afraid to think in North Korea. Interesting, isn't it? She's describing her freedom experience, her oppression, her slavery. And it got me thinking, we don't have a physical dictator, thank goodness, but we do have an element in our worlds where heaven's kingdom collides with the earthly kingdom. We're on earth, but we're of heaven. We're we're on earth and we're a part of earth, but there's a kingdom that Jesus set in motion that is contrary and contradictory to the earth. The earth is going one way, Jesus' kingdom is going another. And we're in the collision course between those two kingdoms as believers because we've been aware of the kingdom of God, that it is here, as Jesus said. He didn't say the kingdom of God is gonna be here someday, The kingdom of God will be there in a thousand years. The kingdom of God will be there if you really hope so. He says, no, no, the kingdom of God is here. So we don't have physical dictators in Australia. We're not bound and we're not enslaved in a physical form. 
But parts of our lives can so easily be dictated to by society and by culture. Society trends one way, culture trends one way, and there's bits and pieces that that go with God, but there's a lot of pieces that don't. And it got me thinking as a church, as Christians in the modern age, what are the parts of our freedom that have been hindered, that have been taken away because our priorities have gotten out of whack? You see, society has set up different things unbeknownst to us. We have set up different things unbeknownst to us that capture our allegiance and hinder our freedom. See, the gods of this kingdom, the gods of the earthly kingdom, lowercase g, not capital G, but they can be money, which is constantly changing, finances. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we struggle very, very much as as mankind to give, to be obedient in bringing our tithe, bringing our offerings, because it's a hard thing to let go of. And so when, when God says, hey, I need it all, as in not all of your money, but I need all of your obedience, I need all of you, there's gonna be things that we have to let go of that hurt. Who's ever been like, ouch, God, that hurts? Who's ever been sitting in a meeting and there's been this offering or something going around and God's just planted a number on your heart and you've gone, ow, I don't wanna believe it right now. And God's just like, no, this is what you need to do. Because our obedience leads to something that is so much more rich in value than money can ever be. And it leads to something of God bringing bringing forth fruit in our life. So money is one, image is another. Status is one. How many, you know, statuses are constantly changing. Comparison is a God of this generation. Education can be a God of this generation. Now, let me say this. I am not against those things. All of those things are good when they're prioritised in the right way. All of those things can be powerful when they're placed in the kingdom of heaven. All of those things. Let's look at finances. We use our money wisely. We can give more generously with our life. So yes, we wanna be wise with our money. We wanna image. We wanna have a shower. We wanna brush our hair and we wanna look representable. That's the good thing. Image, having a good job is a great thing. Education, it's good to be enhancing what we know. Dare I say, even comparison can be a good thing when it's not looking at what others have or what others are doing, but looking at how far you've come along the journey so far. You see, compare everything when it's in the correct order can work in God's, with God's kingdom. The things only become hindrances for us when we make them God rather than subject to God. When we make money God rather than subject to God, we struggle. When we make our image God rather than subject to God, we lose our value. We, we lose the fact that God calls us good. All of these things only become a struggle to us when they're placed out of order. So how do we protect our fragile freedom? Because we can go, we can enter in one day, we can be like in a great place of faith where God is the center focus of our life. He is the one thing that we're focused on. The next day we get a bad report about a job, about finances, and suddenly that's placed on the throne and God's like somewhere over here going, what about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough and I want my share. (laughs) Lol. Here you go, Caleb. So how do we protect our fragile 
freedom. 2 Chronicles 34, 1-7 talks about the story of Josiah. Now I was reading that this, this week and it started to speak to me around what happens when someone stands up and realises the priorities are out. That in his life, the priorities were out and Josiah was about to do something about it. Just for a little bit of background, Josiah served as the king of Israel at around 650 BC. For those who have no clue what that means, like me, that's a very long time ago, very long time ago. But he served in the king. He was eight years old when he got put on the throne. Eight-year-old, they must have been desperate to put an eight-year-old on the throne. But his dad got assassinated, and so he's placed on the throne. I'm happy that God doesn't look for, you know, the people with the right giftings or the people with all of the power or the people who look the, the, like they've got everything together, but he looks for people with the right heart, like Josiah. And even though he was eight, placed him on the throne because he was the man or you're the woman of the hour for this time. And I think that's gonna encourage somebody. It doesn't matter where you find yourself, that it's God's presence in you, not, not what everyone else assumes about you that really matters. But 2 Chronicles 34, 1 to 7 says, Josiah was eight years old, see I told you, when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, ashrapoles, and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baal were torn down. He cut into pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the ashrapoles and idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars, so he purged Judah and Jerusalem in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Nepetali and the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the ashrapoles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. How to be free. Number one, focus our attention. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, David. To be, tr- to be completely honest, his father was Amon. He had every excuse to follow his father's footsteps, who was evil in the sight of God, who turned to the left and to the right and to the back and to up, wherever he could. He turned left, right. He turned everywhere else except for God. So he had every excuse, but he said, I will follow the God of David, not turning to the right or left. Focus our attention. Who's ever been whale watching? I went whale watching a little while ago and it was an adventure. (laughs) And while I was whale watching, now I've been in boats a lot throughout my life. And um, ever since, I'm I'm telling you the precursor to the story because I need to have an excuse for what I'm about to tell you. But I blew my eardrum and any time since I've gotten to a boat after blowing my eardrum because of my balance, I get seasick, okay, most of the time now. So that's like, you can keep that in the back of your mind. But anyway, me and Poppy, my lovely wife, she's gonna hate me for saying that, but we were going whale watching on our honeymoon and I booked the dodgiest whale watching experience in Yamba that's possibly known to man, literally, the captain was 20 minutes late, 
wore no shoes, looked like he had a big, big night the night before. And um, he got onto the boat, we jump on with him and we're going out. And the whole time I'm telling Poppy, you know, like the expert, just keep your eyes on the horizon. If you start to feel, do you, I should have brought some seasickness tablets for you. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, maybe I need them. <laughs> and, and I'm like, keep your eyes on the horizon. It's the only thing that remains constant. The waves and everything are gonna be up because it was big swell that day. So I'm talking to her throughout it about seasickness. She's never been seasick. But the whole time in the back of my mind, my mind is going, don't be seasick. And I'm like, stop it. Like, because I'm just thinking about it. Don't be seasick. And I'm like, stop. And we're whale watching. So I start looking at the waves. And as I start looking at the waves, you know that, that feeling that you get? Like, you know you're going to get sick soon. And I'm getting this motion sickness and I'm looking around and I'm hoping, a slight part of me, she wasn't going to be here tonight, but <laughs> there's a slight part of me <laughs> that's hoping that Poppy's going to go, oh, I feel sick. <laughs> so I didn't feel so bad. Because I knew what was going to happen if I was going to spew before her. And so a part of me is going <laughs> to my new wife, I hope, I hope you start to feel sick soon. But then another part of me going, oh no, that wouldn't be good. I can just get through this. And I'm, I'm there, I'm watching, and my attention is drawn to the waves, and it stops being drawn on the horizon, and then I get that feeling in my mouth. That feeling? You know that feeling. That, mm. And I'm holding it. I'm holding it with everything that's in within me. I'm holding that feeling in. I'm like, I'm not going to bust this up. I'm not going to spew up. Nobody else has. And I just went for it. Over the boat, I am going. We can flick that picture up. Now, we're like married for a week at this stage. Uh, this happens 20 years in. They're supposed to, you know, take pictures of you while you're sick. But this is like a week. And she's like taking pictures of me while I'm sick. And then I can literally hear it going clicking, clink, clink, clink. I was like, I'm like, I don't care. Just, I'm good. Your next picture going in. She even took a picture. I was wrecked. I was wrecked. I had given up. I had given up at that stage. I'm like, I don't care about a camera. I just want to get back to shore. You see, my eyes stopped being on the horizon. And the, th the reason why we want to place our eyes on the horizon is because it's the one thing that remains constant despite everything that's changing. In a season like COVID, if you have your eyes on the economy, if you have your eyes on your, your status at work, if you have your eyes on your image, on your finances, but not God, everything else is going to start to feel like you're getting motion sickness. The news is going to tell you things are changing. Everything, everyone, social media, Facebook, everywhere you look, you're being told bad news about doom and gloom. And if you have your eyes on all the bad news and not the good news, we'll lose the very thing that God died for us. And that's the freedom to walk through seasons, tough seasons, hard seasons, knowing that we have a Saviour who is working for us and not against us. You see, the reason we keep our eyes on the horizon is because Jesus Christ is not changing. He is ever faithful, ever present. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He is full of truth. Every part of Him is good. But what we do is we place different things above Him in our, in our priority list and we do it subconsciously. And we wonder why we start to feel motion sickness in a season like this. Like, I don't feel like my faith's in a good spot. 
I don't feel like my mind's in a good spot. I don't feel like I wanna be in church. I don't feel like I even wanna be around church because we're placing things above where He is supposed to be enthroned. We're placing things above where He is supposed to sit. I don't wanna be enslaved to the economy, to my job, to educations and, and, and the COVID, the crisis and news. I don't wanna be enslaved to my mind and the thoughts that go around because those things change constantly. You get the job, you lose the job sometimes. You lose the weight, you gain the weight. Hello, anybody, come on. You make the money, you lose the money. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> the economy picks up, the economy goes down. But Jesus, he's the same, Hebrews 13, eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I place my awareness on Jesus, I can live from freedom found in his presence despite where I am. If I place my awareness onto Jesus, it doesn't matter where I find myself, I'm living in the freedom that he's bought for me. I can, like David, walk through the darkest valleys every single time, yet he was able to produce songs of praise in times of trial. Let us be people who can produce praise, who can produce glory to God in times of trial. Point number two, wanna be free. Realize our captivity. It says in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places. You see, seeking God, keeping his attention and his focus on God led him to realise what other kings had not realised up until Josiah. For hundreds of years, they had done the exact same pattern. They had turned to the left, they had turned to the right, they had looked up around everywhere they could, cutting out God, and they reaped the consequences. But Josiah, who was on the throne, even though he's young, starts to seek God. And as he seeks God, he realizes, I've been captive by things that I didn't even know were in this place. I, 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 I need to do something about this. Because he didn't set up the idols. The idols had been there for generations. And you may not have set up the things that you feel like, as I've been talking, you're captive to. You may not have set up those things. They may have been generationally handed down to you. But the thing is, is if it's being set up in your life, it needs to be torn down with the power of God. Josiah didn't set them up. He had the excuse of just going, it's inherited, it's okay. These gods, these idols are inherited. I'm not gonna do the hard work to tear them down. But he said, I need to do something. I need to lead my generations out of this. Josiah had every excuse not to see, just like the generations before him, the gods that had been set up around him. But he chose to see because he chose to seek God. While the idols stood, fake freedom triumphed. We can all have a sense of being free, but it's fake if God's not our first priority. We can all have good days some days, 
and go, you know what, God's good. And then the next day we can be back caught captive by the gods that we've placed above him, by the idols that we've placed above him, by our money, by our job, wherever we find ourselves. And those things are all important. I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm saying they're not as important as having our eyes on God. They never will. Because if we have our eyes, our focus, our thoughts, our, our meditation on God, then He's gonna pull the freedom out of us that we need for every season. That young lady that I was talking about from North Korea, she says this. She says, if you don't know you're isolated, that you're a slave and oppressed, how do you fight to be free? Let that sink in. If you don't know you're isolated, that you're a slave and oppressed, how do you fight to be free? In our life, it's from seeking God. Because as we enter into His presence, we realise the true freedom that's found. We realise the true freedom that's found in His love and in His power and in His grace. In our life, when we come into His presence, it's something that, that finds us and moves us. The only way we fight to be free is to seek God and see our captivity. Because once we've seen it, we can do something about it. So address it, picture it, get that thing that's hold you captive, that situation that's held you captive and take it to God. Point number three, if you wanna be free, embrace our ability. It says, under his direction to the altars, the altars of Baal were torn down. Um, down a little bit, it says, then he broke to pieces. Then verse five, he burned. And then a little bit on in verse five, he purged. And then he tore down the altars. Everywhere we see Josiah doing something constructive, when he's seen and when, he, when God has addressed the thing that's taken precedence in his life, Josiah goes, I can do something about that. Now, he was reigned, even though he was king, this is the thing you need to realize, is that he was under Assyrian rule. So he was king, but he came under an empire. Does that make sense? So while these gods still stood, it meant that the, his kingdom was still under the empire. And that's why the other kings had left them up. Because if they, it, it was a pacifier for the people. It was, we're in peace with you, Josiah's people, Israel. We're under you, the Assyrian empire. But while they stood, they, 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 they came into a fake freedom that Josiah wanted to free his people from. See, Zechariah 4 verse six says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We could sing a song right now, couldn't we? <laughs> but the thing is, it's not by your physical strength, it's not by your mental strength, it's not by your strategy, but it's by his spirit that we work our way out of this. You see, Josiah was there, he was doing something physical, he was going about with his ability that God had given him, but it just so happened that the Assyrian Empire didn't even realise what he was doing at that time because they were too distracted with other things that were taking place in history. Isn't that cool? That God knew that Josiah was gonna do that, so he distracted the empire so they wouldn't have a clue about what Josiah is actually doing, is wiping out all of the things that they've placed there to oppress the people. That's called the grace of God. That's called the timing of God. That's called the divine plan of God. And it wasn't because Josiah had a great plan. It wasn't because he had a great, um, a great army. It was because he had a great God and a God that lived with him and wanted to move through him. If we wanna, see, if we wanna be free, point number four, extend our humility. 
2 Chronicles 34, 33. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God as long as he lived. They did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty good bookend right there. Josiah removed all of the detestable idols that the other kings couldn't. If I can have the band back up. He removed everything that the, that the kings before him couldn't and wouldn't because he was able to see it, because he, he went in seeking God. He was able to do it because he realized it wasn't in his ability, but it was in God's calling. And he was able to extend his humility See, this is what I mean. He had to, con- it wasn't just a one time go in and wipe all the gods out. It was constantly throughout his life. He would go through and he would wipe, you can read it. He would, he would just go through and wipe. He found, he'd find a Bible, the book of the law, and he read it and then it made him go again. He purged Israel again and he purged Israel again. And he went through wiping out these detestable idols throughout his life as they became apparent. You see, only a humble person goes back and restarts. And in the sense of, this isn't just a one-time fix-it message. This is a, we need to do this regularly type of message. We need to seek God regularly, become aware of His presence regularly so that He will show us the things that have been captivating our imaginations and capturing our thoughts. And then we need to bring it to God and go, God, would you do something? Would you empower your spirit to work through me so that I can crush these things down, place them in the right priority. And then we get to a place where we feel God's presence, we feel His freedom, but then all the way through, we're constantly clearing and clearing and clearing and going back again. God, I'm sorry, I've done, I, I put this thing up again above you. I put this situation, the circumstance, I placed my job above you again. I've placed my finances above you again. But we constantly come back and we extend our humility because it leads to our obedience. Extended humility will always lead us to obey God rather than reject Him. It will always lead us to obey God and rather than reject him. See, the young girl at the start who I was talking about, she said she didn't know how to escape because she didn't realise that she needed to escape. It's crazy, isn't it? She didn't realise she needed to escape. And we think, you know, out here we're going, how could you not? But everything she had been taught, everything she had thought, she thought the whole world was like that. She didn't think she was missing out on anything. But she said this, She said, the one thing that drew me out was that I got hungry and I could see the lights of China. And I wondered if I went to China, if I could get some food. See, the thing about God is we've done nothing to deserve what we've got. We've done nothing to deserve the freedom that that we've just heard about in communion, that He died upon a cross so that we could be free. But what we did do and what we can do is we can get hungry and we can let that hungry hungriness in us draw us to the light of Christ and draw us to the light as the kingdom says, the kingdom of light. And we can allow that kingdom to become our reality because it wasn't anything that we did, it was everything that He did for us. A hunger brings hope, a hunger brings awareness, A hunger brings fresh revelation. A hunger brings something that God identify it for me. God deal with it with me. God walk me through this. That's what hunger will do, church. 
See, we had no idea that we were escaping from captivity until we were free. Each and every one of us in this room, we had no idea. That's why people don't turn to God because they don't actually understand that there's freedom. That's why people can come in and go and they, they go, you know, I felt something and I didn't feel something. But then when we've had that revelation, we've gone, God, my, my whole life, I was living as a captive in fake freedom when I could have had your freedom all the way through. And this is the thing, extend the humility for the people in our world that need to hear the message that we have. Because unless our eyes are on Jesus, unless our attention is fixed on Him, we'll be speaking the same language that the world is. We'll be thinking the same things that the world is. We, we won't bring anything into the conversation. Unless God is talking to us, we'll bring the exact same thing that everybody else is. Everything's crashing, the economy's crashing. We're in, you know, we're in a, like a really, really bad state. Um, when will COVID end? When will lockdowns end in Victoria? We're gonna start speaking and talking and living like those who are captive by those things. When Jesus turned it all around. See, Josiah cleared the temples too. And the thing about us is we don't have physical temples. The presence of God doesn't dwell in this building. It's not a special building. The temple of God is you and it's me. That's what He did when He died on the cross. He made us the temple. We carry the presence of God. So Josiah, he goes and he clears the temples. And I wonder what would happen tonight if we just spent maybe a couple minutes. If we just stood up, if you can stand up right now. And if we got honest just for a moment and you can close your eyes. Just, I don't wanna spend very long on this, but I just want us to close our eyes, focus and recalibrate a bit from those places in our life and those thought processes where our freedom has been captured. We've started to see things like everyone else. See, it's time to clear the temple. It's time to focus, it's time to realise, it's time to embrace and it's time to extend. If we could raise our hands to heaven if you feel comfortable, if you wanna respond. But just raise your hands to heaven. I'm gonna pray in a moment and I just want to include you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for each and every person in this room with their hands raised. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that in this moment, this moment can be a time, Lord, where your place back is the priority in our life. God, I thank you, Lord, that nothing, Nothing can conquer you. We remind ourselves right now that nothing can conquer you. That Lord, it doesn't matter how far we've strayed, doesn't matter how far we've gone, what we've done, what we thought, where we've been. That God, as we come back to You, You welcome us with open arms. That God, You do more than just welcome us, You run to us. And Lord, in moments like this, we remember that You've never left us nor forsaken us. So Father God, for every single person in this room who's been struggling with a captive mindset, who's been struggling with a captured attention, right now we choose to be aware of Your presence. And as we are aware of Your presence right now, we choose to enter into Your freedom and Your hope and Your mercy and Your grace afresh for every mum and dad, for every child in this room tonight, that we would choose to walk out, Lord, with a fully regarded sense, Lord, that You have brought freedom into our life. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, 
where the Spirit of the Lord is and He is here. He is moving in you. He is moving through you. It says, the Bible says, there is freedom. So release freedom across every mind. Release freedom across every condition. Release freedom across every circumstance, across every situation. We bind and break them in Jesus' Name. We call them into submission in Jesus' Name. Lord, we remember that if we bow the knee, that Lord, as we come to You right now and submit these things to You, You are faithful to complete what You have started. You are faithful forevermore. You would never leave us nor forsake us. And You are faithful to complete what You have started. Even though we get distracted and we look to the left and we look to the right, we choose You. So in humility, God, knowing that we've done nothing to receive what You're about to give us, we say thank You. We give You praise. We give You honour. We give You glory. In Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody said,